If you are anything like the hot in-demand service providers that I work with on a regular basis to sometimes step back, but ultimately scale up their business, then you have a little bit of an idea as to how uncomfortable it can be to approach scaling a business at all, especially if your business has been your baby, if this is your first real successful venture that's taking off, right? The idea of relinquishing any control, uh, that can be terrifying. Uh, the idea of bringing on a team to not only help you in theory, right, to lighten your load, but the idea of bringing on a team for a lot of solopreneurs that are even extremely experienced and successful ones, the idea of like having to put together job descriptions and figure out all of the tasks that they'll need to complete and then putting together job ads and actually going through the hiring process and the training process and managing the employee and all of that starts to sound incredibly overwhelming. And let's be honest, because you care so much about your business, I mean, that's why you've been able to get to this point where you can scale to begin with, right? Because you care so much about your business, the idea of relinquishing any control um, over to a team member who honestly will never care about your business in the same way that you do, it's not their job to, it can be terrifying, right? And I'll be honest with you, it's not always going to work out. But ultimately, if you do want to scale up, a lot of times hiring on a team member or an entire team will be necessary. Of course, that's not always the case. So today, what I actually want to dive into with you is some of these uncomfortable situations and scenarios that frequently come up for the female service providers that I work with who are already in demand, already have this amazing book of clients and prospects, have already begun to grow their audience, and are now looking at, okay, if I were to scale, what would that look like right now for me? Does that mean bringing on a team? What does that mean for my schedule? How do my day-to-day -day tasks change? And what does all of that start to look like? So today we're going to review three of the most common mistakes that I see a lot of really savvy and brilliant and beautifully talented uh, solopreneurs make as they're getting ready to scale their service-based business so that you don't fall prey to the same mistakes. You're listening to the Wildly Creative Women podcast, your daily dose of inspiration, creativity prompts, affirmation, rare stories of transformation and triumph you won't hear anywhere else. And yes, even mini audio courses filled with actionable advice from yours truly that you can't get anywhere else in order to help you find your voice and embrace your wildly creative heart as a woman and as a business owner. If you have ever dreamed of scaling your business, build on your creations without sacrificing your personal life or your sanity, 
you have definitely come to the right place, sister. If you've ever questioned if now is the time to scale up or perhaps even step away from it all, you're definitely in the right place. If you've ever suffered from burnout and you need some place to go for a daily dose of just peace and sisterhood and stories that are just for you, well, yes, you're still in the right place. So grab a snack, something to take notes, hopefully grab a cozy corner where you can just relax and be with us and then get ready because now we're going to scale your passions with Serenity Sister and grow together through the Wildly Creative Women Podcast. Okay, so the first major mistake that I often see a lot of otherwise brilliantly talented um, and incredibly savvy uh, female business owners making is they're failing to allow for their ideal client's journey in a natural way. So let me explain. Um, what a lot of entrepreneurs and coaches who are scaling up often do is um, they try to operate under the assumption that all of their new clients um, or new ideal client targets, okay, are going to have the exact same pain point. When in reality, there are lots of different pain points that occur naturally throughout various different stages of your ideal client's journey. So what a lot of my clients get hung up on before we work together is they're trying to hash out what their niche like signature offer is going to be. And in doing so, they get so caught up in one or two primary pain points that that offer solves, which by the way, that's great. And it's an important part of the process, but in getting so um, specific on those particular pain points for that particular solution, they forget there are other pain points that exist in other key stages of your ideal client's journey. And so even if we can't necessarily uh, start out creating offers that are designed to solve all those minor pain points all the way, we can at least consider those more minor pain points and incorporate them into our content as well as our consideration um, in all of our communications with our prospects and clients, right? Because we want to keep our ideal client moving through the funnel, graduating step by step by step. But if you're only ever answering the issues that exist at stage three or at stage five, because that's where the money is, you're going to be losing a lot more money than you'll be making. You need to consider all of the different pain points, both minor and major, that exist throughout each of the various stages of your ideal client's journey. And don't forget to consider the ones that don't necessarily pertain to your particular offer or product suite, because remember, you can always plug and play 
uh, those gaps with other affiliate offers that will help supplement um, or uh, JV partnerships, collaborations, different things like that. So those are opportunities, okay? And not necessarily an excuse for you to try to take your offers off track from your niche. So that is our mistake number one, all right? Failing to consider all of the stages of your ideal client's journey as you are developing a deeper sense of connection with your niche and with the psychology of your ideal client. Another common mistake and one that I am incredibly guilty of, this is something I have to fight on a daily basis. Um, but one of the biggest mistakes that I see solopreneurs attempting to scale make is failing to consider their true and genuine sustainable capacity. Okay. And so what ends up happening as a result is they over schedule and overbook themselves and begin this perpetual cycle of never meeting their goals, never living up to their own expectations, and ultimately never feeling like they're doing enough, even if they're working insane hours. Okay. So this chaos and workaholism, right? It's spawned for most of us out of perfectionism, believe it or not. People take on just way too much these days and push themselves towards these incredibly impossible deadlines. Often, I, I don't even think it's necessarily intentional. Like sometimes we're like, oh, I've got to get a new podcast out. And so say we jot that down for like Thursday, but and we're like, okay, I'll do that Thursday. And then a few other things get added on to Thursday. And we're like, oh, well, I just have to record a podcast, but we fail to consider the pre-production, the actual recording, the post-production, the content, like publishing, the repurposing of that, like all of the things that are actually involved. And as a result, when we fail to consider, <laughs> right, how much uh, capacity we have for that task and how much is actually involved in that task, we end up overscheduling ourselves. And then we are really perpetuating a constant cycle of burnout um, and failing to meet these guidelines that we are setting for ourselves as perfectionists, which is just unbelievably brutal on our mental health. So don't just focus on simplifying your business here. I want you to like, I, I want you to focus on simplifying your business and targeting your branding. Okay. So use this process to also teach yourself to under schedule. I want you to aim for under scheduling. And in fact, my guess is that even though you're going to be aiming for that, you're still probably going to end up on the side of over scheduling. <laughs> Um, that's how it happens for me. I have a really hard time not over scheduling because I want everything done yesterday and I don't have, I, I, I'm not very easy on myself at all. Right. So I have a hard time accepting when I haven't completed a million and one things by Monday morning, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I am just one person. Right. So decide how long something is going to take 
for you to complete. So just like the podcast, right? Like seriously consider what tasks are involved, um, how much time those tasks will complete. And then if you're anything like me, I think you actually need to build in a buffer there. Um, so if you're saying, all right, well, you can spend an hour on that. That'll take an hour. Um, I have the tendency to assume something will only take me an hour, but it's not even, I guess it's not even that I'm assuming it. It's that I'm saying you, I demand this level of performance out of myself. So it will take an hour when maybe even the person who is the best in the world, that task might take a half a day to complete it. You know? So a lot of times I'm not being really realistic with myself in those guidelines. So what I've started to do in my Asana uh, project management software is I've started to, when I put a task on my to-do list next to it or in front of it in parentheses, put the amount of time I believe it will take me to complete that task. And I can break that down even further by all of the subtasks and including a time limit or a, you know allotment for each of those. And then documenting as I go, like, oh, was this realistic or was it not? And that helps me to kind of flush out where am I being hard on myself? Oh, where was, did I assume something was going to take a lot of time and really didn't? Um, and then maybe I would have filled that time anyway and wasted it. So it's it's been incredibly helpful in allowing me to streamline and stabilize my systems and my scaling and allow me to get a lot um, of clarity and data around where I perform um, at optimal levels as like where, you know, like where I'm struggling, where I'm slowing down, which of course that's opportunities to take some of those things off of my plate, right? And give them to someone else um, at a lower hourly rate than what I need to be charging in order to be my most profitable. So I want you to take all of these things into consideration as you start allowing yourself to learn, not automatically be perfect at, but learn to under schedule. Okay. So decide how long something is going to take you to complete and then just multiply that by three. All right. For starters and dispose of other tasks in order to accommodate that time frame. So whether that means you need to outsource them, delegate them, automate them, discard them, whatever. If you can learn the value of under scheduling your time, you will very soon find out that you actually have the time for the things that you really want and truly need to do. Okay, so now I want to talk about the third mistake that I see so often, and it has to do with the actual hiring part, the part that makes so many of us so incredibly uncomfortable. And I want to clarify, there is nothing wrong with staying a solopreneur forever. For many of us, scaling doesn't mean having this seven or eight figure business. That might mean making, you know, $100,000 a year, 200, 250, 350, and being really comfortable just running the show ourselves, having things streamlined and automated so that we're only working, you know, a handful of hours a day or even a week. Um, 
But for a lot of us, those genes are a little bit bigger and ultimately will require us to take on a team. So if your company is just you, it and you know that's all that you can really handle in and still remain happy in your business, that's fine. I just want you to also understand that ultimately at some point you will be limited um, just based on the fact that you only do have the capacity to put out, you know, what you as one individual can put out. And, and for some of us, that's a ton for some of us, it's not as much and that there's no right or wrong there either. It's really just about recognizing what it is that you're actually trying to achieve here in your life with this business and making sure you don't get so caught up in the money that you start trying to scale by hiring this huge team when in reality, that huge team and that massive company with all those extra responsibilities were never really part of your overall vision. This is why it's so important that we have those initial vision and mission statements to operate as a North Star for us as we grow, right? So I just want to stress that there's no right or wrong here. Whether you want to stay solo forever or you're looking to scale your team to five people or 500 or 5,000, you know, um, there's no right or wrong. But creating a dream team of others with expertise that you can leverage will add tremendous value to any business. And so the biggest mistake that I see a lot of solopreneurs making around scaling with team members is they are failing to take the time to really hire the right people. So yes, it's valuable to bring on the expertise of others that are super passionate about their strengths and how they can leverage them to help uh, propel the company and the company's mission and vision, but you do need to take the time to check references, to actually have those interviews um, with real questions, and to try out and build like a strong working relationship with the right people that are in alignment. There are so many contractors out there, but there's only a few that are truly going to click right? With you and your business, the business's mission and vision for the future, and that will help you grow it in a way that's enjoyable for both of you. So what I really want to encourage you to do is to really take your time with the process of finding the right person. When you do find them, make sure that they'll want to stay and that you're asking them about what things they value in a culture, in a work environment, in a working relationship, within a position. Remember, not all people are motivated by the same things. And yeah, no, not all people are as financially motivated as certain other things like lifestyle preferences or being able to work remotely or different things like that. So it's really important when you find the right person with the right talents and strengths and passions to counteract and fill in those gaps where you might be lacking. 
Well, it's super important that you really get to know them, what their priorities are, what their goals are for the future, and what their needs are in this position so that they are leaping and bounding out of bed every morning, feeling so elated and honored that they get to be a part of this mission with you and that they are fulfilling their own dreams by helping you with yours, right? So just take your time with that. Once you have found the right person, really get to know them and what motivates them and then get to work in providing that and remembering that the buck stops with you. Pressure stops with you. When you bring on contractors or when you bring on new team members, you work for them, not the other way around. Okay. And remember, your business is only as good, as happy, as positive, and as productive as your team. So if you are not investing in your team, you are really leaving everyone out to dry on that one. All right. But again, there is no right or wrong in size when we're talking about scaling, as long as it's right for you for your company, for your life, for what you are trying to accomplish in your time here. This is about making sure that you are staying true to yourself and within alignment. I don't want to see you make those huge mistakes that we've talked about here today because they can scare a lot of otherwise would have been really successful and really happy and satisfied solo and entrepreneurs into uh, taking a step back or even just holding themselves back in a way, right? So like if you, um, let's say you keep pitching and throwing out all this content around one pain point, thinking that you're really drilling down on your niche and you neglect all the others, you might end up alienating the perfect audience for you accidentally. Or if you're constantly overscheduling yourself and creating this huge mental cloud of burnout that's impossible for you to escape, you're going to start to find all different pockets of resentment within your business and your clients that will creep up on you until you just want to run away from it all, right? And if you do decide, hey, I'm going to try hiring a team, but you don't invest heavily upfront in hiring the right people for the right positions and then providing them the right sustenance that they need in order to be able to be happy and fulfilled in that position, well, you're going to get all kinds of negative feedback that's going to cause you to think that all of this was all wrong for you. And in reality, maybe it was all right, but the approach was all wrong. Okay. So this has been a lot of food for thought on the mistakes that I want to see you avoid in scaling as an in-demand service provider. But I would love to hear from you about all of your questions. And of course, if you found value in today's episode, do me a solid please and hit that five-star review. So hit me with your hard-hitting questions in the Wildly Creative Women Facebook group about scaling, hiring a team, addressing these clients' pain points, and making sure that you are under scheduling. And now I've a I've got to get to knocking some things off my overscheduled to-do list for the week so that I can continue serving you the way you deserve. I love you for listening. How do you feel, sister? 
Have you had any shifts? Don't forget, the conversation really continues and heats up inside the Wildly Creative Women Facebook group. And I would love to tackle any questions you have about today's show in there, alongside the growing sisterhood of Wildly Creative Women supporting one another and sharing their stories of triumph and tragedy through their creative pursuits. If you have taken anything at all out of today's episode, it would mean the world to me to have you subscribe, like, and share. I love you so much for being here, and I'll talk to you soon.